Okay, we're going to begin. This is um, a story called The Auger Incident. It's from Ivy House Tales, uh, book three, uh, 1970 to 1984. Now then, my tyre collection business had been running for a few months alongside my work as a salesman for Firestone Tyres. Following a few raised eyebrows and a long talk with Henry, my then boss, I eventually left Firestone. But now our new business needed a boost. It was not yet paying sufficiently to live on, and I had invested in a second-hand split-screen Volkswagen Transporter pickup that was not yet used all day, every day. Our neighbours in New Bolingbroke, John H. Rundle, were local agricultural engineers, well respected in the county and suppliers to farmers for miles around. From time to time they used my newly inspired small transport service to back up their one delivery lorry. On this memorable occasion I was using a faithful old Volkswagen to transport an agricultural auger. For those that may not be aware of the vagaries of agricultural equipment, an auger is like a huge Archimedean screw in a long tube. They are used to move huge piles of grain from one place to another. In fact, if you stick one end into a grain mountain on the floor and place the top end over a lorry body, it will fill the lorry in double quick time with only minimum shoveling necessary to keep the open end of the auger at the bottom filled with grain. The screw down the centre of the auger is the main working bit and normally powered by an electric motor mounted on one end and driving the screw with a belt and pulleys. The lengths of the auger tubes vary enormously. The widths too come to that. When they're particularly long, agricultural augers have supporting steel rods running the length of the outside of the tube. These rods prevent the tube buckling and bending the auger inside. Once in position and suitably secured, the internal screw revolves rapidly and spews grain out at a tremendous speed and pressure. This one was long. It had those steel rods, two of them, one on each side. A very large electric motor was mounted on one end. I'd been engaged to deliver it quickly, as a farmer client had suddenly decided he had nothing to move his shed full of corn and vehicles were actually en route to make the collection. Rundle's own lorry was away for the whole day. If I remember correctly, the auger overhung the truck by about eight feet at the front and eight feet at the back, in which case it must have been close to 30 feet long. The front end was pointing upwards and the bottom end complete with its motor towards the ground. The back had a huge flag attached and I was not going very far, just to the other side of Boston, about 20 miles. The auger nearly didn't make it to its destination. The journey. For mile after mile I watched the front meticulously but there was never anything in my way. 
arriving at the town Boston. I watched the buildings in all the streets to make sure the auger did not go through any windows or catch any lamp standards. Just by the Odeon Cinema, I arrived at some traffic lights. As I was slowing gradually, eyes in all directions at once, someone tooted their horn. My eyes were diverted for just a second or two, and in that instant, a double-decker bus had decided to stop directly in front of my truck. Rapid stamping on the brakes resulted in my truck dipping forwards, and the two steel support rods of the auger ended up poking through the back of the double-decker bus, just below the rotary sign that tells you where it is going. I did manage to stop before the rods went in too far, that is, into the seats. As the truck rocked back on its suspension, the two rods reappeared and left two staring eyes dead centre in the bus body, just a short distance below that rotary signboard. The driver appeared and looked somewhat bewildered. Well, I never did, he exclaimed. His words were somewhat stronger and more colourful, but unrepeatable. Nothing like this has ever happened before, he continued. The auger did not seem to have sustained any damage and the bus driver was somewhat amused. There were two beautifully symmetrical holes close to where his vehicle number was painted and nothing else to see. The local bus depot was en route for both of us and we called in, complete with a bus loaded with amused passengers. Together we confronted his supervisor. Disbelief and baffled would possibly describe his action. I left my details and went on my way, closely followed by the bus, that decided to let me go ahead this time. The fact that I did know the local bus supervisor personally was a coincidence. He and his good lady wife had been lodgers with my grandmother at 129 London Road, just opposite the local bus depot, for several months just after they had been married in the late 1960s and Jeff was at that time a driver for the bus company. I don't think I ever heard anything else about this incident. Perhaps it was too far-fetched for even bus company management to believe. There we are, that's the end of that little story. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Uh, brought to you by Cracker Books, written and read by Keith Sanders. There are more stories to read. Keith Sanders is the storyman.wordpress.com. Lots more audio stories on this free Buzzsprout site. There are free videos to watch, all kinds of subjects, including heavy horses, on Keith Sanders, the short storyman on YouTube. And there's a shop. All the stories you read or listen to are compiled in books. The books are downloadable and you can see them in our shop. They're not expensive. And the site address is richardkeithsanders.sells.com. Thank you for listening.